Webster's Dictionary defines metal as courage, vigor, and strength of spirit or temperament. A staying quality or stamina. Mental or moral strength and courage implying firmness in the face of danger or difficulty with fortitude and resilience. Everyone in the military and veteran communities embodies this medal needed to accomplish all that comes their way. These are their first-hand account of these stories. Happy New Year! Welcome to 2022 and this week's episode of the Medal of Honor. This is your host, Tiffany Marchink. This week's guest, we have Amanda Huffman. Amanda is a military spouse and veteran who served in the Air Force for six years as a civil engineer, including a deployment with the Army to Afghanistan. She traded in her combat boots for a diaper bag to stay home with her two boys and follow her husband's military career. Her experience as both a military service member and a military spouse gives her a unique voice having lived both sides of the military life. Using the knowledge she has gained, she will inspire the world around around her and her and help others through life's transitions. So how does she do this? Amanda Huffman has a blog called Airmen to Mom. She has written books. She has a podcast called Women of the Military, which is also, by the way, the name of her book that she published in 2019. You can connect with Amanda Huffman on her blog, airmentomom.com, or on Facebook with the same name, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest. If there's a social media outlet, she's there. Made you pick Air Force as opposed to any of the other branches. So I always tell people that September 11th is why I joined the military, but I am working on my memoir right now for my deployment, and it's causing me to go back and do some research. And I realized that my high school boyfriend broke up with me in the fall. And that kind of messed up my plan of like getting married and having my life set up. And so I think uh, a lot of it has to do with him breaking up with me. September 11th, too, that happened my senior year. Um, But he broke up with me and I felt really lost. And a bunch of my friends were joining the military. And so I was like, well, I need a new plan. Everyone's joining the military. Let's join the military. I don't. I picked Air Force because my dad drove me to the Air National Guard recruiter because he knew someone in the Air Force at the Air National Guard. And once I went there, I was like, this seems good. Now, was he military at all? I mean, since you knew somebody? Yeah. No, my dad, we have no real military connection except for like my grandfather served during World War II. But uh-huh. he knew that this guy... Uh, David Sandoval, he actually passed away recently, but he knew that he was there at the Air Guard base, and he took me there to meet with him, and then I met with the recruiter. And I was going to enlist, I was going to enlist into the Air National Guard, but before I did, one of my friends that I mentioned who was joining the military was doing the Reserve Officer Training Corps program, and he took me out to lunch Taco Bell, and he was like, before you enlist, 
into the Air Force. I think you should know about this officer program. And I was like, okay. And so (laughs) he invited me to the open house, which was in April of 2003. And I really loved the open house. My parents went with me and it was at the college and it just felt like a better option because I wanted to keep going to school. But the and the the National Guard recruiter didn't tell me that I could become an officer or that I could keep going to school. He was like, well, you'll go to basic, you'll go to your tech school. And then when you get back, then you can go to school and we'll help pay for it. But he didn't tell me about ROTC or being an officer. And so that friend who commissioned with me, actually, uh, he changed the course of my military journey because without him telling me about it, I would have never known. Yeah, Yeah, I just decided not to enlist because the tech school that I was supposed to go to was six months long and then they didn't know when I would go to basic. So it would have been like seven or eight months, probably a whole year of not going to school. And, And ROTC also gave me the option to try out the military without having to join the military. So it was like, oh, I can try this out, see if I like it. If I don't like it, then I don't have like a six-year commitment. I have a, that was nice. I'm going to go on with my life. There are perks to joining the military on active duty, the reserves, or even the National Guard. It's a matter of finding what fits you best. If your focus was finishing school, then the ROTC program was perfect for you. When a person is part of an ROTC program in college, What does the process look like in becoming an officer in that person's chosen branch? Actually, before you answer that, for the listeners who don't know what ROTC stands for, it's the Reserve Officers Training Corps. The concept of ROTC in the United States was created by Alden Partridge and began with the Morrill Act of 1862 which established the land-ground colleges. Part of the federal government's requirement for these schools was that they include military tactics as part of their curriculum. Uh, you pick your job your junior year, I think, of college, and you put, like, I think your top five choices, and if you want to be a pilot or a navigator or some other specialized career fields, they add in extra requirements, extra medical physicals, and probably letters of recommendation, but I didn't want to do any of those things, so I just put civil engineering, and I was a civil engineer, so it's kind of, like, straightforward. Uh, pretty easy. I don't really, I don't even remember if I had other choices. And if I did, they probably didn't make a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. it was kind of straightforward of I'm a civil engineer. I'll be a civil and they needed civil engineer. So it wasn't like, it didn't matter what I put on my dream sheet. I was going to be a civil engineer. So yeah, that's how it worked for us. We, we already knew going into our senior year, what our career field would be. And then we found out during our senior year where we were going to get stationed. So I had deployed in 2010 for a year and I deployed with the army and it was really hard. And I remembered seeing moms like hiding in the bathroom so they could get some privacy to talk to their kids and help them with their homework. And I just remember how hard it was to be away from my husband and my my parents and my sister and I it was really hard but it wasn't like that difficult in the sense that like my husband knew what was going on my parents knew what was going on 
my sister knew what was going on. They were all adults. And my husband, although he was lonely, his life pretty much stayed the same. But when we started thinking about, like, having kids, it got a lot more complicated. And my career field deploys a lot more than his. And I didn't want to miss a bunch of my child's life. And so I didn't really want to leave the military, but it's made the most sense to leave the military and switch out of the role of service member to military spouse just so that we have that stability. And I think we made the right decision. Well, I guess I know we made the right decision. <laughs> You're muted again. Do you ever think, um, you know, when you look back on that, I wonder if I did the right thing or are you sure? Like, I'm glad I did it. Um, I think like, I'm glad that I did it, especially when my kids were young, because it was the right thing to be home with them and to have that stability. It was really hard to transition from service member to military spouse and mom and to go through all that at the same time. But I'm really glad that I was home for all that happened in those first, you know, five years, now eight years, and that I, and that I was able to start a business that gives me the flexibility that I can still be a stay-at-home mom and have a business where I am helping to impact the lives of the next generation of women. And had I stayed in the military, I wouldn't have that flexibility and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I would be doing civil engineering through the Air Force, and that's not bad, but I think this is a better path for me. You're muted again. I need to quit doing that. <laughs> I mean, I could talk to myself and be just fine with it, I guess. <laughs> so, what are some differences that you've noticed going from service member to spouse? A military spouse at that. Uh, I think the main thing is like how people view you when you're a service member. They kind of give you reverence um, just for being a service member. And when they find out you're a spouse, they don't have the same type of feelings toward you. And as a and they also don't assume you're a veteran. So they assume that you're a spouse. And when you start talking military, <laughs> Because I can talk the military lingo. They'll be like, what's wrong with you? One guy was like, why Why do you understand all this stuff? And I was like, oh, because I'm a veteran. He's like, oh. And so they, <laughs> it's also like kind of this weird thing where like I'm a military spouse, but I'm also a veteran. So like sometimes I want to be with like the military crowd. And then they look at me and they're like, why are you over here? You're supposed to be with the spouses. And like, I don't want to be over the spouses. I want to be talking. And so... It's kind of like a complicated dynamic of like feeling like an outsider, both in the military space and then also in the spouse space, because I don't really, I fit in both categories, but I also don't really fit in either category. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, so when you, so now fast forward to more recently, when, um, your you and your husband or your husband was looking at transitioning from the air force to the space force how what was that process like of having to 
um, switch from the, an Air Force that he was familiar with to a new branch of the military? What was that like? Well, I mean, there wasn't really any change. He's still doing the same job that he was doing. It was like, it's more like a paper shift, um, and not, uh, actual, like the culture of the military because the Air Force and the Space Force are kind of just like a split. Um, they haven't really defined like the culture of the Space Force and, It'll be interesting because we're moving this summer and he's at like a satellite office now. And so he's not really connected to a base. And now we're going to move and most likely go to a base. And I think that will be kind of a different dynamic. But he's been in the space arena most of his career. So it's kind of like we kind of already were in the Space Force, but we were in the Air Force. And now the Space Force kind of has more control over what happens with the career and so so it's a good thing because now he knows his next job is going to be a space job which will make it good for when he retires because that's an industry he wants to go to instead of like his next job could be in an air force job and he's never really done that and he doesn't want to do that when he retires so i think for that aspect but it hasn't really changed he's still doing the same job yeah and I think it would be kind of neat to be part of one of the first few that are going into the Space Force. I mean, yeah, that's, that's unique cool. within itself. So, Yeah, um, that's okay. a cool factor. Yeah. Because, like, the Navy and the Marine Corps, they're, like, night and day from each other, it seems like. But they're still the same thing. So that's why I was wondering about the Space Force thing. But, you know, it is such a new thing that it really hasn't established itself as a, this is what we look like kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're still trying to come up with new uniforms and um, make a lot of the policy changes. And one thing that was different for this move, which I don't know if it's in the air force too, but for the space force, instead of picking bases, when my husband picked his assignments, he actually picked jobs that were available and they could see what, jobs were available for his rank across the whole Space Force, and then he looked mm -hmm. at those jobs and what qualifications were needed, and then he racked and stacked jobs. So instead of picking, like, in the past, we've always picked, like, five random bases, and then mm -hmm. you go to whatever base, but this time he picked six different jobs, and then mm -hmm. the leadership side can bid on the different people, and so it kind of, it's a new way to do it but it makes so much more sense than being like yeah. i want to go here and here and you don't even know like you can put a place on your dream sheet and then they don't have any jobs for you so it's like you might as well not put it so it's kind of really weird but also really it's really smart and i don't know yeah. if that's a space force thing or an air and space force thing but it's a really yeah. new way to do the job um pcsing so now we yeah. know that he's going into a space job, which, I mean, we are doing Space Force. But I think that is really helping, too. Um, when you got out of the Air Force to be with your kids and spend time with them, it also gave you flexibility to do. Uh, I know you do a podcast. I know you do some blogging. You wrote a book. Like, what do you not do? Right. <laughs> so you do a little bit of everything. What What all is it that you do and why was why is it that you're focus i think your focus is more on women right yeah it's on women who are joining the military okay 
Like, what gave you that passion? Was it just, well, I'm a woman and I joined, or was there something else? What does a civil engineer do exactly? So, if you're in the Army, an Army engineer is very different than an Air Force engineer. Army engineers typically don't have to have their degree in engineering because they're trying to make quick structures to, like, keep moving forward because that's the Army is, like, always moving. But the Air Force is different because... We have airplanes and airplanes, they move, but they always go back to the same location. So we have a really high technical field of engineering where we have to make runways. And I think the like basis of Air Force civil engineering is in like the Vietnam days when like there would be runways bombed out. We would do a lot of training on like how to do runway repair and different types of training for that type of thing. And then we do all the engineering projects in like present day for the Air Force at all the bases. And that's also what I did in Afghanistan. And so it's a mixture of like enlisted troops who are like the people who do the building, like structures and the plumbing and all that stuff. So we maintain the whole base. And then when we deploy, we maintain the base overseas and then do other projects, too. What did he do in the Air Force? Uh, He's an electrical engineer, and he did developmental engineering. He's worked on GPS stuff. He's worked on... He got his master's in electrical engineering, and he has been doing satellites, and he just transferred to the Space Force this summer. So he does satellite stuff. I don't know. I mean, to me, like the Marine Corps is an entity of the Navy. Yeah. Is the Space Force, do you think, is ever going to be an entity of the Air Force? They are. That's how it's They are. Okay. So there's two different transition things um, for you. um, And that's one of them, of your husband transitioning to the Space Force. But before that, you were pregnant. Um, with your first kid while you were in, and then you and your husband had to make a decision about serving in the military. So how did that pan out for you guys? This is where it's at. It wasn't an idea that I had thought of because I kind of didn't know what I wanted to write about at first. And then in 2017, I did a deployment series about people who had deployed, and I expected it to be mainly men with a few women, but it ended up being mainly women with a few men. And I was like, oh, women, they're in the military and they want to talk to me. And then they didn't want to talk to me for whatever reason. Like they didn't fill out the survey. They never got back to me. It was only women. And so I kind of was like, I need to explore this deeper. So instead of focusing on deployments, that's when I switched. So I originally had started by focusing on deployments because I wanted to talk about my deployment experience and I wanted to hear other people's stories because there were so many like not traditional deployments during not only these wars, but the more I learn about history in all the years that we've been in the military, there's all these different stories that people don't know about. And so that's where I started was deployment. But then I was like, who cares about deployment? I'm focusing on women. And then I tried to think of like where the earliest I could help them in their journey was as they were in the military, because I was originally focused on helping women transition out and make the switch. But I realized that 
the earliest that I could help people was when they joined. And I think if you can start helping people when they join the military, you can start preparing them for transition mm-hmm. right from the beginning. Because I think you you need to be thinking about transition once you start like financially preparing, just thinking about how the job that you pick and how it can translate out out of the military. All that stuff is so important to transition. So if we start talking about when people join, it just makes it so much better when they leave the military. So that's why that's why my focus is women when they join the military. But obviously, I cover all the stuff from join to transition. Well, it's kind of like it's a lot easier to train someone to be in a specific branch in a specific job. But to help someone transition, like everybody's life situation is so different. We have people mm-hmm. who are transitioning who've only served four years and they're going to go to school and use their GI Bill or they're going to use their training and go work in a field or they're getting married or whatever. And then you've had people anywhere between like serving one to two years to serving 20 to 30 years. And like, how can you have one transition program that helps people when you have all... It works to have one basic training or two because mm-hmm. you have officer enlisted, but it doesn't work to have like one, one transition course or even two officer enlisted because you don't, everybody's life situation is different. And then their path after is so different. I think that's yeah. where the like challenge, they try and put you like in this funnel mm-hmm. and it doesn't work because nobody, there's like an ideal person and that person it probably the transition program probably works great for but i don't think there's like there's too many like factors I wish I had somebody talk to me about managing money and savings and stuff because I didn't learn that growing up. So it would have been nice if I had somebody, you know, mentoring me to say, hey, here's how, here's what you should be doing with your paycheck. Here's about how much you should put into savings, expenditures, whatever else. But it is what it is. Yeah. And I think that they try and like, shove it all into like a one week class and like Mm -hmm. it's too much information that's like the other problem it's like I remember when I was transitioning a I was about to have a baby but b (laughs) like it was all this information all at once it was like do you want to be in the guard do you want to be in the reserve do you need to do your VA thing you need to do this you need to do that and I was just like I just want to get out the military (laughs) I think that if there was like a way that they talked about those things to you like your whole career then you wouldn't be like it wouldn't be so overwhelming and you wouldn't miss steps because there were a lot of things that I should have done that I didn't do because I was just overwhelmed because I was getting out and I was having a baby and I just wanted to have a baby and get out of the military and there were a bunch of things that I should have done. joining the military I think that no one can really tell you if the military is right for you it's like you have to know that it is and 
take the risk that it might not be for you, but even, and it's only four years or six years, and it it is a long time. I'm not gonna say like four years isn't a long time, but it's also not really a long time and you can gain a lot from it. So I think you just have to decide like, is the military right for you? And then if you're kind of on the fence, but you wanna go for it, then take that risk and take, if even if you don't enjoy it, take the good things that you learn from it and try and figure out how you can use them for the rest of your military or your life, your civilian life after you leave the military, which I would say if like you're transitioning, it's hard to transition out of the military. The military makes so many decisions for you and most people are young when they join the military and you don't realize that the military is making all like your health care is taken care of where you're living is taken care of you get a paycheck like there's so much stuff that the military takes care of and then when you leave you have to do all those things and it's scary and i think a lot of people don't they're always like excited to get out of the military get their freedom but it's also a little bit overwhelming to have to make all those choices so take what you learn from military life and then take the jump and it's scary, but it's worth it. one and the same, so I decided in the fifth grade that I was going to be a fighter pilot uh, and for the Air Force. And so that really just kind of set my path and my trajectory was making that decision and, and from then on that was really all I, all I wanted to do. Talk a cup of kindness
Oh.